I uh, started a series this year, um, and it's kind of been based on the premise of a computer, as foolish as that sounds, but how sometimes, whether it's computers or iPads or whatever, we get so much that's running, so many applications or programs that are going on that, that it tends to bog down the purpose of the computer. And so suddenly, because there's so much going on, there's so many applications running, I can't type a paper or I can't uh, browse on the Internet because my computer won't do anything but just sit there and spin. And how sometimes in life we need to position ourselves because we're doing the same thing. Like we've got so many things running, we've got so many things going that we've never just shut it down and started over. We've never reset, hit the reset button. And so we've talked about some, some areas of us that, that need to be reset. We talked about the reality of sin and, and, and the necessity to reset the effect of sin in our lives. That sometimes we let that little sin application run. We don't think anyone sees it, but it's still going and it's hindering and it's affecting us. And we just have to confess and repent from sin. And then we can be set free from that. We talked about the reset of our words last week. This tongue in our mouths that God has given us has the power of life and death. Our words are powerful. And sometimes we're not aware of the danger that's being caused by our tongue. And so we have to be very aware of what's coming from our tongue. And we have to reset it at times. So today I want to play... Uh, a little bit of a game. Uh, I, I want to mess with your minds a little bit. I want to ask you, what do you see in that picture? What do you see in that picture? Okay, does anyone see the cigar in that picture? Right here. You see it? Okay. I just want to mess with your minds. What do you see right there? Okay, does anyone see a baby's face right, right here? See that? Okay, I want to mess with your mind. What do you see right there? Okay, turn your head sideways and tell me what you see. A horse, all right. What do you see right there? Some people see Cookie Monster. Do you see Cookie Monster? Oh, look right here. There's his eyes, his mouth, and his body. What do you see right there? Everybody's thinking real hard. Does anybody see a duck? My wife says this one's a stretch, but look, there's the bill and his eyes. It's a duck. What do you see right there? Does anybody see two dinosaurs feast, feasting over a table saw? There's a T-Rex right here. There's another one right there, and there's a table saw right, right there. You see it? Want to go back? What do you see? What do you see? What do you see? What do you see? I will never be able to look at that picture again and not see Cookie Monster. What do you see? Some of you are going to go home and you're going to go plug in your phone and you're going to see a duck and you're going to start quacking at it. And you're going to laugh next year at Christmas as you drive around and see this nativity Everywhere, when all you can picture, all I see are dinosaurs now. That's what I see when I see this. Forget about the manger. All I see are these two dinosaurs right there.
I want to talk about resetting our eyes today. It's amazing how in about two minutes, I was able to change what you were seeing. It's amazing how in this little bit of time, just because of a little bit of direction, a little bit of understanding, we could change what we see. And I believe, church, that it's imperative for us as we continue to accomplish the plans that God has before us, as we continue to see His fulfillment in our lives, that we're going to have to reset our eyes. That we're going to have to start seeing things just a little bit different. i got to get through all those pictures on my slide. We spent some time at the beginning of this year in Hebrews chapter 12. I want to read verses 1 through 3. It says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race that's been marked out for us. Verse 2 says, Fixing our eyes. Now, I know it says on Jesus, and I know what that scripture is talking about, the reality that we fix our eyes, that we look at Jesus Christ. But I want to preach a little bit this morning on the necessity for us to fix our eyes. Not just by looking at Jesus, but the reality that we need. You know, these things are not functioning well. We need to fix our eyes. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Today, we're going to talk about a reset of our eyes. Today, we're going to talk about fixing our eyes. I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today. And I pray for us, God, that as we spend time in the Word of God, just like that was done with these pictures, Lord, that there's these momentary highlights from the Holy Spirit that help us to see things through your lens. God, I do pray for our ears. I pray for our hearts. I pray for us that we would be inclined to you, that we would yield ourselves to you, that your will could be accomplished in this place, Lord, that you would speak, guide, and direct. For myself, Lord, as the pastor, I yield me. I pray your works your word, your will be accomplished in Jesus' name. Amen. I said Matthew chapter, or I said we need to fix our eyes. I'm going somewhere and then I'm saying that. I don't have this in my notes. Matthew chapter 6. It's important to fix our eyes. How do I know it's in, important to fix our eyes? Matthew uh, chapter 6. Verse 22. Nope. I've got to be in chapter 6, not chapter 5. Verse 22 says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The reality this scripture is showing, the eye is, is, is a pivotal piece for the health of, of you and I. Your eyes are directly affected by your spiritual health. What does it say? If the eye is full of light, 
I, me, I will be full of light. If my eyes are full of darkness, then guess what? I'm going to be full of darkness. If you look at Matthew chapter 26, and I probably won't read this whole thing, or chapter 23, you see some people who should have good eyes. The Pharisees and Jesus are having an interaction. And, and, and there's quite a, a rebuke that comes from Jesus. We're going to look at about ten verses. And in these ten verses, five times, Jesus speaks to the health of the Pharisees' eyes. Five times, as he's speaking to them, he looks at them and calls them what? Blind. Verse 16. Woe to you blind guys. You, you, verse, uh, guides. Verse 19. You blind men. In here again, verse 24, you blind guys. Verse 26, blind Pharisee. First clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and the outside will also be clean. You see, I believe that it's important for us to fix our eyes. That we can actually recognize what are we looking at. Now, the simplicity of that, Matthew chapter 6, is what am I looking at? I don't even have that in my notes, but I just want to touch on that. What am I looking at? What am I allowing to come in my eyes? Because oftentimes we wonder why we're thinking bad things, but we're looking at bad things. We wonder why we're thinking certain ways, but those are the things that we're looking at. You know, our eyes really do control or are connected to our minds, which cause us to have, to have appropriate or inappropriate responses to situations. These men were spiritually blind. That's what Jesus is saying, right? Hey, Pharisee. Now, the Pharisees, just for our, our recollection, these were the religious elite. These were the learned. They were the ones who, who studied the Word of God. Yet the, the Messiah is before them, and they cannot see Jesus for who He is. What have they spent their time doing? Trying to kill the one who was sent to set them free. They are absolutely blind to what God is doing. And I think that's a struggle that many are dealing with. We're literally spiritually blind. We can't see what God desires us to see. We can't see the things that are set before us. Second Peter uh, chapter 1 says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind. Forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. I truly believe there is an issue with spiritual blindness in the church, in the body of Christ. I truly believe that, that, that there's a necessity for reset of our eyes. And we must be intentional about these gifts that God has given us because we're not seeing what God desires us to see. God sent Jesus for the Pharisees, right? But they didn't see him. I'm going to pose a question. What is God doing that you're not seeing. What is God accomplishing that you can't see? 
And Second Peter says, make every effort. And there's something we need to be doing. So we can see. We have to fix our eyes. Right? Examples of people who couldn't see what God was doing. Numbers chapter 13. When they reached the valley of Eshcol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them along with some pomegranates and figs. What's going on here? These are the spies that were sent into the promised land to see what God was offering. Caleb and 11 other guys were sent in there, right? When they got into the promised land, what God was offering, they found grapes. How big were those grapes? I mean, seriously, if it takes me and Ryan to carry some grapes, them are some big grapes. Huh? Okay. So two of them carried on a pole between them along with some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Eshcol because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut off there. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. So what did they see? They saw abundance. They saw blessings, right? What's the report? They came back to Moses and Aaron, the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly. They showed them the fruit of the land. Hey, look at what God's doing there. Look at where we're going. They gave Moses this account. We went to the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But I'm telling you, 11 out of 12 were spiritually blind. I mean, they got the proof in the pudding right there before them. The word of their mouth is it was a land flowing with milk and honey. But there are people who live there. The people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very long, large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. And that means they were the, the, the giants. They were, they were giant people was what they were saying. So what did they see? What did they see? They were surrounded by the promise and provision of God. But what was their account? All the problems. All the obstacles. All the dangers. I'm going to tell you, something that will make you spiritually blind is when you focus on all the obstacles. Something that will keep you from seeing God's promise in your life is when you focus on all the reasons you can't. Rather than looking at what God is absolutely doing before you. We read this account and we think Caleb was the only one who, who stood on God's promise. And we think, oh man, they're terrible people. How could they do that? How can they miss the grapes that they were carrying? How can they forget about the land flowing with milk and honey? But we do the same thing every day in our lives. Where God has spoken a promise to us. And we've seen, we've witnessed, we've tasted the promise. Well, then all of a sudden, this big giant gets in the way. All of a sudden, this obstacle gets in the way. There's some strong people there. And we forget about what we've seen and tasted. We forget about what we've experienced and literally become blind to what God is doing before us. Sometimes we can be blinded by the obstacles. The disciples... 
John chapter 4. I mean, we can pick on everybody else. We're not going to talk about ourselves today. We're just talking about other people in the Bible who are blind. That makes us feel better. John chapter 4. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's four months until the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ripe for the harvest. Now, who was with Jesus? His disciples, right? They'd given up everything to follow Christ, right? They've walked with him. They've experienced him. They've heard his voice. And they're hungry. Huh? Who has needs? Sometimes... I'm blinded by necessity. You know, I don't smell too much coming out of the kitchen, but some days on, on, on potluck Sunday, it's hard to preach because everyone smells what's coming out of the kitchen. And we're not focused on anything but what's coming out of the kitchen because our bellies tell us we want what's coming out of the kitchen. The disciples are walking with Christ, and, and, and they've given up everything so he can make them who? What did he tell them when he called them? I want to make you fishers of men. Their purpose, the plan God has for their life, is to be fishers of men. They're focused on being hungry, or at least Jesus being hungry. And what's his response? I'm going to pray that your eyes can be opened so you can see the purpose that I've called you to. Huh? Is that not what happens here? I want to pray that you can lift up your eyes and see fields. He's not talking about wheat fields that are ripe for the harvest, but he's talking about people who need to understand the love of God, who they're called to be fishing. He's telling them, I want to show you the hot spots where you can go cast your line and catch a fish. Why? Why didn't they see it? Don't you have a saying, it's four months to the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ripe for the harvest. You know, sometimes I think we're blinded by necessity. We're blinded by our needs. We're so focused on what we need, what this man, this physical man needs, that we're not seeing the spiritual things that God is doing. We talked about fasting at the beginning of the year. What's the point of fasting? Isn't it really to lay down what I need so I can focus on what God is doing? Isn't it truly that principle that's put before us? So we're blinded by obstacles. We're blinded by needs. And this is, I love this story. It's Elisha and his servant. And there's the king. uh, And the king of Aram, he wants to attack Elisha because he's heard about him. And Elijah's a prophet and has, 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 has influence. And so Elisha and his servant are out together, and all of a sudden they're surrounded by the armies, the Aramean armies. And the servant's freaking out. Like, he's, he's checking out every horse, every, every uh, sword, every chariot. He's seeing all the enemies that are around them. You ever been there? Where you can't see anything but the enemy? Where that's all you're seeing? When the servant, the man of God, got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses... And chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? 
the servant asked. And the prophet said, don't be afraid. Now, when you're blind and someone tells you not to be afraid, you want to punch him in the face. Right? Don't you know what you're talking about, prophet? I just said there's horses, big horses, lots of horses, lots of chariots, lots of men, big, mean, scary men that are surrounding. They have surrounded completely the city. We have no way out. There is absolutely no place for us to go. Sometimes all we can see is what the enemy is doing. Sometimes all we're focused on is the armies that have surrounded us. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with him. And and in my mind, the servant looks at Elisha and he says, You're nuts. These guns aren't that big. And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. The Lord opened the servant's eyes. He looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. The rest of that story, they, they'd get a major butt kicking, the, the army of Aramean and, and everything else. But the reality is, the enemy doesn't want us to see what God is doing. The enemy wants us focused on him so we can't see what God has already orchestrated. Sometimes we're so blind because all we're doing is focusing on that sword. All we're doing is focusing on on that army. And God said, no, I'm doing something greater. He said, I'm going to set you free from this. I mean, I don't believe in my mind that 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 angelic army, the army uh, uh, that was full of horses and chariots of fire, that's a spiritual army. I don't believe that they just showed up at the moment Elisha prayed, but they were there the whole time, and the servant never saw them. Now, what happened to the servant when he saw what God was doing? I'll bet he wasn't afraid. I bet he was ready to go do what God needed him to do. I bet he was ready to go take these guys on. Let's go. Let's roll. That guy's got fire coming out of his nose. That chariot is crazy looking. Let's roll. See, there's something that happens to us when we start seeing through spiritual eyes. There's a transformation that happens in you when you start focusing more on what God is doing, then the obstacles that are before you, the needs that you're facing, and the enemy that's attacking you. There's something that happens in us when we reset our eyes and we stop fixing our eyes on the obstacles and we stop fixing our eyes on the problems and we stop fixing our eyes on the enemies or the needs or the wants, but we start fixing our eyes on Jesus. And suddenly, when I begin to focus on those kind of things My life is transformed. The way I live is different. I'm ready to take, I'm ready to take what God wants me to take. I'm ready to go where God wants me to go. I'm ready to do what God needs me to do because I see what He's doing around me.
2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, Therefore we don't lose heart. Though inwardly we're wasting away, yet outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes. Come on, we're going to fix our eyes, right? That's what Hebrews said. Let's fix our eyes. You want to know how you fix your eyes? You fix your eyes not on what is seen. Huh? Isn't that what all these people were doing? Isn't that what the spies were doing? Isn't that what the disciples were doing? Isn't that what the servant was doing? No, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I'm telling you, there's a, there's a spiritual truth. There is spiritual insight that we have to have. Yes, we are physical beings, but sometimes we need to look at things, all times we need to look at things through a spiritual perspective. Does that make sense? I mean, this is, you know, we have light and momentary troubles. And Paul's light and momentary troubles, I'm not even going into what they were because it wasn't. He stubbed his toe and his car wouldn't start. Okay? Paul had some major problems. But he said, I'm not going to focus on that. Why? Because I want to focus on what God is doing. I want to focus on the things of God. I want to focus on not what I can see, but, but what I can't see. What I know, what God is working for me. What if we saw as many spiritual things as we do physical things? What if when I looked at a situation, my, my perspective wasn't on the here and now, but was on all that God was doing in the midst of this moment? What if when I looked at people who were broken and hurting, I saw more of what God desired to do in them than the frustration of the words they spoke or the actions they've been taking? I need to reset my eyes. I need to fix my eyes so that I can see what God is doing, so that I can be confident in what I'm doing to accomplish what God desires to be fulfilled. I need to recognize when I'm becoming nearsighted. Huh? So I don't become blind. You know, I've already moved just about everything off the stage. I came in here this week and I thought... Maybe I should move something off the stage and see if people notice what I've moved. You know what I'm saying? Like in your house, you don't recognize a mess until someone's coming over and suddenly you start looking at things through their eyes and you see what they're going to see so you do something about it so they don't see what truly is. Huh? Sometimes it's the the idea of olfactory fatigue. We become so used to what we've seen every day that we don't see it anymore. We've looked at it over and over again. We've become conditioned to it. And guess what happens? We become blind to it. Put your toes out. Almost there. What about what God's doing? 
Have you become blind to what he desires to be accomplished? Have you become blind to fields that are ripe for the harvest? Have you become blind to to sharing the truth of God to someone who absolutely needs it? Because you've seen it so much. You know all the problems if you open this can of worms. You know how they'll respond. I mean, there's more important things to work on before I get to tell them about God's love. They've got to get themselves cleaned up. Someone was just sharing a testimony this morning with me about someone who said they wanted to come to church, but they had to get themselves cleaned up first. What in the world? Why? Because we're spiritually blind. We don't recognize that broken people need to experience the presence of God. If there's any place someone who doesn't know the Lord should feel comfortable, it should be right here. Where does that come from? We're so focused on the enemy that we're not seeing what God is doing. Man, if we say something, then we're going to mess up their world. We're going to mess up our world. And people are going to think we're weird. I need to fix my eyes. And I fix my eyes by fixing my eyes. Are you following me there? I fix my eyes by fixing my eyes on what God is doing. By focusing on what God is accomplishing. By putting more faith in the promises and the things that God is doing than the very real nature of everything that's around me. God's plans haven't changed. He's still going to bring fulfillment this year. We may have gone through some rough moments. I said, boy, talk about a time for a reset. Let's have a problem with COVID and then a bunch of snow. It doesn't change what God is doing. It doesn't change the promise that God has made. He's still bringing fulfillment. He's still bringing salvation. He's still accomplishing His plans and purposes in this body. Oh, I could get discouraged. No. I want to see what God needs me to see. I want to recognize what God desires for me to recognize. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If we're out of our mind, as some say, it's for God. If we're in our right mind, it's for you. For Christ's love compels us. I love that verse. I'm fixed. My eyes are fixed on Jesus. And because I see love when I look at Jesus, that's what this is about. His love compels me. What does Christ's love compel me for? It compels me for spiritual things. For God so loved the world, He sent His Son. Why? So that no one would perish, but everyone would have everlasting life. That's what happens. Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for Him who died for them and was raised from the dead. So, from now on, 
We regard no one from a worldly point of view. What if I reset my eyes? I'm not looking at them from a worldly point of view, but I'm looking at them because the love of Christ compels me for them. Though once we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. How are your eyes? Like really, what are you seeing? Maybe we've been here, you're like, Pastor, I, I, I don't know that God's doing anything. I, I've been so focused on what's right here, that's all I can see. Is what's, you don't know what this has been. I believe that God wants you to, you guys can come forward. I believe that God wants you to fix your eyes on Jesus Christ today. If we're going to reset our eyes, we have to focus. I trust God and Walt's broken guitar string, but I really wanted to conclude service today with with communion. We fix our eyes on this, right? We spent time thinking about that when we had communion. We spent time thinking about the body of Christ and the blood of Jesus and what that meant. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. Let's think about the fullness of His love, the love that set you free from sin, the love that called you beloved when you knew you were wretched, the love that called you transformed when you knew there was a lot of transformation that still needed to take place, the love that's, that, 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 that called you His very own. How are your eyes? This morning is as they close and, and conclude this service with a, with a worship song, or they, they, they conclude this sermon, I guess, with a, with a song, I encourage you to think about your, your eyes. Are your eyes bringing light or darkness? Are you fixated on the obstacles or the answer? Are you seeing the victor, the, the, the enemy, or the victor? Are you focused on the need or the answer? God, I pray in this room. I pray you help us to fix our eyes. Holy Spirit, I ask you would continue to speak, reveal those things that are unseen. And God, I pray that that each of us could have eyes that are fixed on Jesus Christ, that could have eyes that are fixed on your love, that could have eyes that are that, that, that are that are fixed on all that God is doing. God, I believe you've surrounded some of us with armies. We might be in the middle of a battle, but there's an army that's around us. God, I believe that you put in our lives so much provision, so much goodness, so much fruit. But we're just seeing the giants. I believe, God, that you're calling us to open up our eyes, to look at the fields that are ripe for the harvest, the friends, the, 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 the neighbors, the co-workers that, that just need to hear about the love of God, that just need to experience His love. You place them in our lives. 
and we haven't seen them. God, I pray you open our eyes. God, Elisha prayed it when they were surrounded. And Jesus prayed it with his disciples. I pray that same prayer in this place, God. Open our eyes so that we can see the eternal things of God. Open our eyes, God, so we can see what you're doing. Open our eyes, God, so we can see. So we can see you. So we can see your love. them lead a chorus and as they sing uh, I'll open the altars and someone might say there's some obstacles, there's some enemies that I haven't been able to get through and I know I haven't been seeing. As a pastor I want to pray with you for those things. You've got other needs or situations or circumstances in your life where you say I just need a pastor to agree with me. I want an opportunity to pray with you this morning. If you sang that and meant that open the eyes of That's a dangerous prayer. It's a powerful prayer. And I'm believe that this week, God opens your eyes. I'm going to pray it's a moment you're not expecting. Where you can see things that you've never seen before. Whether it's at home or Walmart or suddenly God opens your eyes and you see his power his goodness and love you see those things that are unseen Lord bless you and keep you may he make his face shine upon you be gracious to you may he turn his face towards you and grant you his peace and may you fix your eyes Amen be blessed